When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal way. Myself, Guy Clark here, joined by Josh Williams. Today, obviously, no action to talk through. Tom Canton also not here. So we're going to be creative and we're going to talk through some striker gems that Arsenal should maybe looking to uncover in the transfer window. Of course, there's plenty of uncertainty around the future of both Alex Lacazette as well as Eddie, Eddie Inketiat. So where are Arsenal going to go? And in the summer, they may well, or even in January, may look to splash the cash on a forward, having spent heavily elsewhere around the field of play in recent times in the transfer market. Josh, we've set some criteria out. We've got two players each. We're going to try and keep it to players under the age of 24 in keeping with Arsenal's recent transfer business. How difficult, before we get into our picks, did you find this? Because I suppose it's the, as it always is said, a big cliche, the hardest place on the, the pitch to try and find someone is the, uh, the striking department. Yeah, yeah, it can, it can be difficult, um, especially at a top club, you know, with these these types of players are kind of, kind of only judged really according to how often they find a net and, and very little else unless you've got some sort of weird system going on. Um, so unless the player is scoring, he's kind of getting harshly criticised and he's probably going to come out the team and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's difficult to identify a player who's just really, really good at one thing um, and, and that's kind of the, the overwhelming factor in it. So, yeah, I'm not... I, Generally, I don't think uh, strikers are the the best thing to to target overly because of how limited they are in terms of improving and it's not improving. Sorry, in terms of impressing, uh, I think generally it's nice to have a fluid a fluid attack and stuff. But I think in terms of Arsenal, obviously they they're about to lose players and stuff. So um, Arteta's got to find a way around it. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose trying to work out the style of play as well can be difficult with Arsenal because it does chop and change a bit as to exactly what is being asked of the centre-forward at any one time. But let's get into it then. As I say, two picks each. I'll let you go first. We don't know, just so everyone knows, we don't know who each other have picked. So there may well be some clashes. But Josh, you can uh, you can take us away with the first pick. Okay, so for a start, I think I'm going to look at this one as... Rather than just looking at a nice striker out there who seems good, I think it's important to flag that this player has to be good for Arsenal and he has to benefit the current system that Arteta is looking to establish. And it's very early days, he hasn't been doing it for too long, it's been the past few weeks, but I think it's... I'm starting to gauge what I think Arteta is trying to do. Um, And based on the past few weeks of how he's used Aubameyang, who's now obviously 32... I think he wants a player in attack and in, in the striker role who is relatively quick because of the players he's playing ahead of. He's obviously playing Martin Odegaard. He's playing the likes of Smith Rowe. They're probably not going to score that much, but they're very creative. They want number 10 type spaces. Um, Arsenal don't really have very many crosses of the ball, aside from maybe Kieran Tierney. 
Um, and a lot of the crosses they do put in the box are cutbacks, so they stay on the floor and things like that. So I don't think aerial strength is a massive thing for this striker. I think they just need a player who's going to contribute to build up very little. A player who's going to put the ball in the net, a bit of a poaching type. And a player who doesn't necessarily have to be great in the air. So I'm going to start with Jonathan David at Lille. I'm I had a feeling gonna... you'd pick him because I know I know you're a big fan. Yeah, well, it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if he did come to the Premier League sometime soon. And if I was running Arsenal's recruitment, I'd be t- I'd be taking a look at him because he seems to be he seems to fit that profile generally. He's 21 years old. He is quite two footed, which is nice. Uh, he's mobile. Got quite a low centre of gravity. Uh, a bit of a maybe I'm giving him too much here, but a bit of an Aguero type in terms of, you know, his, his swift movements in both directions when he's in the box and things like that, but that that type of build, if you like. Um, and he's, he's scored double figures in each of his past three league seasons. So, just looking at his numbers, as an 18-year-old for Ghent, he scored 12 in the Belgian First Division A, no penalties. Following season, he scored 18, uh, 15 of which were non-penalty. And then last season, in his first season for Lille in Ligue 1, he scored 13. Again, no penalties. And so far this season, he's already scored six, uh, five of which have been non-penalty. So he's quite clearly a keen scorer. He looks like he's going to get double figures again this season. Uh, So he's kind of got that proven record, despite his very youthful age. Got good availability across the ball, doesn't get injured too often. Um, he is playing for Lille. You would, I think, Arsenal could realistically view Lille as a team that you could pick up from without having too much of an issue. Well, uh, and Pepe didn't quite come <laughs> without too much of an issue. That's true, but I think since Pepe was signed, I think that they've now had a change in sporting director at Lille. I think Luis Campos was there in it at that time and he's very shrewd operated in that department he's since left I think so maybe they'll find that a bit easier to do business David looks like a good finisher so far to me and on the defensive side of the game he seems willing to work so just the all round package I think if you was to look at the system Artes is currently building and you was to put David in for Aubameyang I think it'd still work and I think, crucially, it would work for the next 10 years, unlike Aubameyang, who is obviously 32 now. And I suppose also he adds that, as you say, that kind of versatility anyway, able to kind of play across a front line, can be quite a, a fluid player. If it's going to move back to, to say, a 3-4-3 at times and he was to be the lone man up there and there wasn't someone directly behind him, like in a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 even, that Arsenal have played at times this season, he would kind of be able to move and, and probably do a bit more than just the goal scoring. Albeit, I know you said at the, at the top, you kind of are looking for a man who can kind of put the onus on to be the goal getter. Because at times, Aubameyang's been moved out to the left, for example. Yeah, well, when I say about getting involved in the build-up less, I just... I mean that purely because of the players who are already there. I think if yeah. if behind the striker at Arsenal, you didn't have you had Pepe as opposed to Smith Rowe, and you didn't have Odegaard, maybe then I'd maybe want a striker to get on the ball a bit more. But I think because those two players are already going to see a lot of the ball, um, I don't think there's that much of an emphasis on the striker to to to, 
to contribute to build up basically. I always look said this two weeks ago when I appeared on the show. I, I look at Vardy as a good example for Arsenal. Yeah. Um I think Brendan Rodgers has used him very sparingly in attacking moves. And a lot of that just stems from behind Vardy, you have Jordi Tillemans and you have James Madison, both of whom are attacking types, but both of whom get on the ball quite a lot. They'll do a lot of the constructing for you. So Vardy doesn't have to touch the ball much. And I think for Arsenal, because he's putting so much faith in Smith, Rowe and Odegaard, who are both very young and things, and they get on the ball a lot. I think Arsenal's striker can, can be that type, can be the type who who just drifts and basically puts the ball in the net and very little else. Yeah, no, fair play. My first pick then is Karim Ediemi from Red Bull Salzburg, the 19-year-old who this season has been called up by Germany as well by Hansi Flick to play for the national team. He's a guy whose goal-scoring record for his years as well is is very strong. That I mean, looking at the numbers, he's kind of eight goals in 10 Austrian Bundesliga games so far this season. He's also scored a couple in the Champions League against Lille and also scored against Bromby in the qualifying stages. And and last year as well, uh, say he's 19 now, so, so last season during sort of his early teenage years as well of being a, an 18-year-old there, he, he got seven goals in 11 league starts. Also got seven assists as well in that season. So 14 goal involvements for him. I think this is a player who is really exciting, Josh. He's on the radar of a number of big clubs. He's coming through the Red Bull stable, which we know very well, kind of has a very good model for getting young players' chances, certainly, and putting them on the biggest stage. And he's a guy who sort of seems to be living up to it. And the reason I highlight him as well is I think for Arsenal and the, the position they find themselves in, in terms of being one of the big six clubs in England and being, therefore, one of the, the biggest budget sides, I suppose, in European football, as it were, the emphasis needs to be on uncovering the next big thing, I think, if they can, to get in when they can at the top end of the pitch. Obviously, no European football right now, so it'll be difficult to kind of attract any real elite player. But I think looking at him and looking at the numbers, this is a player who, in my opinion, ticks a lot of the boxes you mentioned before in terms of being able to to play within that role and, and set off the attack. And I think he'd link very, very well indeed with that kind of supportive line in behind, albeit at 19, isn't a finished article. But as I say, I don't think Arsenal at the moment are in the position to to go out and get the finished article and attract them to the club. But albeit he's playing Champions League football now, it would still be a big step up from Salzburg to come to Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, one thing with Adiemi, he is lightning quick. And I think what I've, what I've just been saying about generating space in number 10 type areas for the likes of Odegaard and Smith-Rowe, I think Adiemi would, would do that simply because of the threat he, he poses in behind. So any little forward movements, he would bring the defensive line back with him, generating space behind him for Odegaard and, and Smith Robo. Yeah, he looks like he's got bags of potential, very, very explosive and things. And Salzburg just seems to have this way, don't they, of, of unearthing these, well, particularly strikers, really. I mean, it was Erling Haaland, then it was Patson Dacher, and now it seems to be Adiemi. Uh, there's obviously a degree of risk with jumping on these big talents so early and dedicating a large fee to these talents so early because they haven't really proved it for an extended period of time. They've only been doing it for a split half season, one full season maybe. But I think I do think sometimes you do have to almost take take the leap and, and make the jump. Dortmund have obviously showcased that in recent years to great success. They don't seem to to want too much proof behind a player before jumping on them. They seem to just be willing to accept a kid has amazing talents before investing in them. He did that with Jaden Sancho. 
They did that with Jude Bellingham. They did it with Erling Haaland. Um, so they don't seem to be that type of club. And I think Arsenal, if they're going to do things differently and they're going to get a lead on you know, some of the elite clubs around them, they could probably benefit from, from jumping early on these players like Zavadiemi. Yeah, that's that's kind of my feeling. As I say, I think the position where Arsenal find themselves, it isn't a case of kind of being able to pick and choose the battles that they kind of go for, as it were. As I say, to get themselves back into European f- football in the first thing, and then secondly, get themselves to kind of be back in those Champions League places. I think this is a player whose name you just said about David, if he was to be brought in, you're kind of boxing off a position for the best part of a decade. I feel the exact same kind of with Adeyemi, albeit, I think there would be time where he would need to have time on the training ground to develop. But within that, you mentioned his, his physical attributes and his pace, probably no better mental really than Abamian, because it's not as though he's going to be going anywhere for the time being. As we said at the top, it's Lacazette really and Nketiah who are the two who are likely to move on. Exactly, yeah. I mean, Abamyang has, has kind of had that. I think he initially signed for Dortmund years ago as a, a wide player. And I think before too long, he was in, integrated as a striker. Obviously, started scoring bags of goals and things. And um, I've mentioned a few times already about Jamie Vardy. And I think if he was if he was to mould Adiemi into a fixed striker for the rest of his career, he probably would benefit from the same things Vardy would benefit. Vardy tends to benefit from, with those being, you know, obviously three balls, counter attacks, stretching defences, and that sort of stuff. Who's your who's your second pick then? So I'll be honest, mate. I haven't actually got a second pick. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've basically got four names that, I, that I'm struggling to separate, and one of the reasons I'm struggling to separate them is because the whole twenty-four year old thing that you mentioned. Two of the players on my list are twenty-four. So are they allowed or not? No, they can be allowed. Go on, tell us tell us who your names are, and we'll we'll, we'll go into the one that we find kind of most interesting. Okay, well. The, the the most obvious name that I, that I thought I'd go for. It's a bit boring, and sometimes when some when a player is linked like this, I'm inclined to roll my eyes because it's just so obvious. Because it's, it doesn't look like it's the club tried too hard when it comes to thinking about these players. But I'm, I've said Calvert Lewin, um, and one of the reasons I've said it I, again, I know he I know he'd cost a lot and things, and might be difficult to buy, and uh, Arsenal could probably get a cheaper option elsewhere. But I think if you look at what Calvert-Lewin's good at, I think he'd really benefit Arsenal as a team and I think he'd make them quite a well-rounded attack. Obviously, he is great in the air compared to what I said earlier and that's not so much of an important thing for Arsenal. But with him being great in the air, as well as very quick, I think he could he, he could do things for Arsenal's attack in terms of attacking in different ways and stuff. I do think he'd stretch defences like, like is needed, as I've said, because he is quick. But he's he's physical enough to occupy a whole defensive line on his own. He's over the course of the past year or so been very very good at just getting on the end of high quality chances in the box. And I think if you look at the types of chances Arteta tends to generate for you know through his players, they tend to be kind of like cutbacks and tap ins and. That sort of thing, and Calvert Lewin seems to be very good at getting on the end of those and finishing with his first touch and and that sort of stuff. So, although I think Calvert Lewin is a bit of a expensive, boring, typical Premier League thing, I do think that there's there's lots attached to his game 
that makes sense. And obviously, you consider that Everton need funds at the minute. They might be willing to sell them and then reinvest into the uh, the rest of the team. I'm not too sure on that one, but I just think generally, he's still 24, by the way, English, homegrown. Arsenal seems to have an interest in homegrown players lately, given the signatures of Ramsdale and Ben White. So, again, it's it would be a stretch and would be expensive, but I do think he would he would fit in nicely as Arsenal's focal point. Interesting you say him, not because I, I picked him, but I, I there's been a lot of links and talks about Dominic Calvert-Lewin at the moment regarding <laughs> Arsenal. And my second pick, I don't think is all too dissimilar, is Dusan Vlahovic of Fiorentina, who, albeit left-footed, kind of comes at it from a different angle in that regard. But a lot of it is about physicality with him. Now, the reason I pick it, it kind of goes completely against everything you kind of said at the beginning of kind of being that guy to stretch defences and, and this, that and the other, but is it would offer something that Arsenal don't currently have in attack. Now, I think over the next maybe two summer windows, the attacking area of the team is going to have to be revamped completely. As I say, this summer looks like Nketiah and Lacazette will move on. The following year, it may well be that that's when Aubameyang needs replacing. But within that, I think for Arsenal, there will be a need to kind of have different striking options available. I mean, at times, Alex Lacazette has, has played a key role in kind of being a link man, a hold-up man for the, and, and setting the platforms for attack, but not always been the most clinical. Whereas Vlahovic, 15 goals from open play last season for Fiorentina. He did get six penalties, but and, and this season he's, he scored four goals in Serie A, three of which have been penalties. But again, I don't think that's maybe always worth looking beyond too much as well. Is because he's one of the key assets that Alexandre Lacazette brings to Arsenal is his penalty taking. So knowing that you've got someone ready made to come in and take on that mantle, it is a skill within itself, penalty taking. And I think he is kind of someone who is worth considering. But as I say, the point that you make on Calvert-Lewin was very much the same reason why I, I was kind of looking at, at Vlahovic, albeit there were a lot of his games, I think, that do kind of need ironing out. As I said before, when I was talking about Adeyemi, I don't think Arsenal are going to be buying a finished product. I wonder if Calvert-Lewin would be too expensive, but if Fiorentina may be conceding that Vlahovic's contract is up within two years and that he will need to move on and they will need to raise some funds for him, whether or not he might be kind of the alter alternative option to Calvert-Lewin and at a bit younger, 21, might just be around for a bit longer as well. Now, I'll be honest that I don't think Calvert-Lewin would happen. Um, I think he is probably too expensive and I've just checked his contract. His contract doesn't expire until 2025. So right. that's another four years on his deal. Typically, players who have got long contracts don't move. Um, so... And if he did move maybe next year or the year after, then you're pushing the age of 26, which seems to be slightly out of Arsenal's range at the minute. So I can't actually see that, but if, if you're then maybe taking a step down and looking at what you've just been mentioning in terms of Arsenal doing it a different way to get a lead on their opponents, taking a chance on a few players, you would then maybe look at alternatives to Calvert-Lewin, who, but who also are a bit like him. Vlahovic did cross my mind. He is on my list. Um... But as you said, one one of the major flaws attached to him is he doesn't seem to be as mobile as Calvert Lewin. He offers Giroud wasn't to... the most mobile though, was he for <laughs> Arsenal? And uh, I mean, it, too... it might well be one of those that trying to maybe force something upon him that that he isn't quite. But Arsenal have lacked that physical presence since Giroud left. Well, I think another player who has been linked to Arsenal in the past few years, who, who I think is 
he's probably similar to Calvert-Lewin about four years ago, is Alexander Isaac. Um, he offers a degree of physicality. He is quite tall. Um, but he's got the mobility side to his game as well. Um, and I think he generally, compared to Calvert-Lewin, probably is a bit more comfortable when it comes to dropping deeper, linking with play. I think he's very... He's quite tricky on the ball, Isaac. He's quite unpredictable and things. Um, so far this season, I don't think he's found the net yet in the yeah, in, in, in La Liga. Yeah, yeah, five games in La Liga and he, he hasn't scored, as he know? No, but I think last season, I think he bagged, was it 16 maybe? 17 in 34, I think it was, yeah. So well, yeah. one in two, one in two ratio for Real Sociedad, which, yeah, isn't bad going. Yeah, zero penalties as well. Um, and he's an example, I suppose, of... He's another player who Dortmund jumped on very early. One of the few, actually, who who it didn't actually work out when it comes to Dortmund. But you can quite clearly see the potential was there. The potential still is there. He's starting to repay a little bit more. I still think he's... I still think if you was to get him in, there would be a bit of a time period that you'd have to maybe endure before he starts to be, I suppose, good enough to properly represent a Champions League club as a striker every week three times a week at times um, he's maybe not ready for that given that he's still I think he's, is he 20, 21 uh, do you think oh, the price 22. tag 22 would, actually but what, what kind of price tag is it? do you not think that for what you would be getting right now with the fee you would be paying I mean there's obviously been a lot of talk about Ben White and £50 million on him for a centre forward it's all about the goals, isn't it? So if Arsenal were to end up having to pay a hefty transfer fee for Isak, as you're saying, he's probably not quite ready yet. But at the same time, there's going to be that trade-off, isn't there? That he will have that hanging over him or would have that hanging over him were he to, to join. Well, again, I've just checked his contract. And amazingly, he's contacted to 2026. So that's another five years. So that one is probably, again got no chance of happening this summer, which is funny. Uh, maybe that's one that's going to happen further down the line. But again, with him being 22 years old, there's maybe that bit of space there for Arsenal to wait anyway. Um, but it's it's this is why it's difficult when it comes to getting a striker in, because if you're getting a striker in, a striker has to play through the middle, you know, unlike a, a forward who can play through the middle sometimes, can play on the right, can play on the left sometimes, depending on who it is. A striker has to play through the middle. And if you if you're playing with a fixed striker through the middle, he holds he ultimately has to be good enough to demand that that fixed role. And if all he offers is goals, he's not going to score every week. So when he's not scoring every week, okay, well what else is he contributing? And if he's not contributing very much, he's a bit of a passenger some weeks. So this is why it's it can be so difficult to invest in a striker and it be worth it. Um, and that's why Arsenal have to really stress over over getting this player in because two of, well, yeah, two of the players I've just mentioned there, as players I'd be interested in targeting, are on very long contracts and Arsenal would probably struggle to get them in. So um, yeah, it's it's a difficult one, guy, and it's it's one that Arsenal will have to get to the bottom of before the summer because it's a it's a really important position to fill. Did you have one more name on your list? You said you had four. I think we've. We've rattled through three, have we? Or have we gone through the whole lot? Yeah, well, the other one, again, is another player that Arsenal have been linked with in Latoro Martinez. He's, again, difficult to capture, but he fits the mould of a Jonathan David, of, a, I suppose, a Vardy to a lesser extent. 
again, Aguero comes to mind a little bit in terms of low centre of gravity. But he is that player who, I suppose, gets involved a bit less in the build-up or, or can get involved a bit less at least. Quick enough to pose a bit of a threat in behind and stretch defences and would maybe thrive as a bit of a poacher. Um, and he's still 24. But, again, Inter Milan seemed very, very reluctant in the previous summer just gone to, to lose him. Possibly that was on the back of already losing Lukaku and things, but I was going to say I think they're also on the verge of trying to tie up a, a long, long. I think a contract through to twenty six for him as well. So yeah, I mean, this is what yeah. makes it difficult. It is though, isn't it? And it's I suppose it is the game, as you say, of trying to to get strikers in. But there will be talents around, and I, I think we kind of certainly first picks of, of Jonathan David and Karim Adeyemi. I think it's those ones who aren't yet quite unearthed and on the major scene that, for me. Is where Arsenal need to be looking to target because the ones who are already out there are either, as we've discussed through this podcast, then already on long-term contracts or are going to cost an awful lot of money or, or both. Yeah, I mean, I've just checked then. The, the, the ones who obviously will be out of contract in 2025, by next summer it will obviously be 2022. So they'll, they'll have three years left on the deals. So they're, they're sellable at that point but they also still put their selling club in a strong position. David would be one who runs out in 2025. Um, and Latoro Martinez, funny enough, runs out in 2023. So in the summer, if he hasn't signed a contract by then, he could potentially just have a year left on his deal, which could be perfect for Arsenal to get him in. But um, I think just generally that's the type of striker Arsenal probably needs to sign. He needs to sign someone to, to benefit the current system and possibly take it to the next level. Yeah, no, interesting. We will have to wait and see how it does then play out. But yeah, that's us having a look at what strikers may well be on the market for Mikel and Arteta and Edu to consider. That is all we have time for here on this edition of Analyzing Arsenal. My thanks as ever goes to Josh Williams. Josh can be found, of course, on Twitter at Distance Covered, as it says there on screen. Do go and check out his work. And Josh, thanks again for uh, for joining us here on the Arsenal Way. Yeah, thanks, mate. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Right, thanks to you as well for joining us here on the channel. Don't forget to subscribe and like the video as well. We will, of course, be back with more analysing Arsenal next week after the uh, Gunners do take on Crystal Palace when finally the international window ends and we are back with Premier League football. But from myself, Guy Clark and Josh Williams, thanks for joining us and don't forget to keep following us down the Arsenal way. <laughs>